Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson, and I am so glad you're here. This podcast emerged from work based in the exploration of collective grief and liberation. It exists to remind us about all the ways we can find refuge during unsettling and uncertain times. Today's interview is with Madison Page. I met Madison a little over a year ago when she was beginning to develop her organization, Core to Core, which you will hear a lot about in this episode. And I'd love to tell you a little bit more about Madison. Madison Page was the founder of Core to Core, a curated marketplace and community for taking and teaching movement, wellness, and fitness classes over live video. Birthed from a virtual Pilates business built on Squarespace in 2017, Core to Core grew into a larger movement to democratize wellness for all people. Madison's expertise is in building impact-driven businesses, community building, content marketing, and marketing strategy. She is also the co-host of Stretched, a podcast about inclusive wellness powered by Core to Core with Liz Getman. Madison is a fully certified Pilates instructor specializing in rehabilitation, functional movement, and postpartum exercise. Currently, she is creating a body of daily poetry writings called Ditties. In a previous life, Madison worked as a choreographer and performance artist and has made and performed in work for the Hammer Museum in Los Angeles, Film Center at Lincoln Center in New York, and in 2017 as an artist in residence at New Expressive Works in Portland, where she performed an autobiographical duet she made for her and her mom. I hope you enjoy this episode with Madison. Madison, it's so good to see you. Um, good to see you. And to be in space with you. It's been a long time since we last spoke and, and connected. And thank you for being on the Finding Refuge podcast. I remember the first time I spoke to you, I was driving back from Richmond. I remember. I actually think it was when my mom was sick. I believe it was when she was sick and I was like in the car driving back um, because it's a three and a half hour drive from, from Winston to Richmond or Richmond back to Winston and talking about core to core, which is how we, we connected and just remember like hearing about it and, and talking about my teaching and connecting in that way. So that's how we, how we know each other. Um, And since then, of course, I've had conversations and connected and I'm, I'm wondering if you'd let people know some about who you are, what you do in the world. That's, that's transitioning. Yeah. Share a little bit about yourself with us. Yeah. Yeah. I currently still am the CEO and co-founder of Quarter Four. Uh, and when Corticore first started, uh, I had this vision of what would it mean to have this space where people could find sort of the best teachers and take care of themselves virtually online um, in the comfort of their homes. So when we were first talking, 
that was sort of the vision. And um, I had been, you know, around and following your work. And, and there was 15 founding teachers. So that, that uh, you know, exploded and sort of changed my life um, at the pandemic. So from February on, before we started recording, you were talking about just having this sense of continuously working and sort of having that cadence in your life. And um, it's certainly been my experience as well. And it, I, I honestly feel like it's been my experience since graduating high school. Like I, there's just been this sense of push and pressure and trying to establish yourself, trying to find financial security, identity and things like that. And so Cordacore was, is still this space for people to come together and take class, um, Pilates and yoga and meditation and Tai Chi and a bunch dance and a bunch of other things. And that, that is, that was my identity, uh, before I was a professional dancer and an art maker, but that was my identity for the last four years. And I know you're, you're talking about it. You said it still is a space. I know that you're transitioning now yeah. um, or core to core is transitioning, which means you're transitioning too, because of how intimately connected you are with core to core and, yeah. It and yeah. creating yeah. it. And yeah, um, I'm curious to know how that feels like we know transition is guaranteed and changes. So how are you feeling about it? How is, how is the transition going for you? As you said, the intimacy of, of my life with this company, there was nothing I felt that was so like all encompassing in the way of like a child, maybe in this way of like, you have this like love and it exists in the world without you and that lack of control. But then when it's succeeding, it's like unparalleled. And, you know, I started processing what that might mean to not have that in the summertime because uh, we were a, a venture backed business. I mean, it's hilarious. It was a very small amount of funding. And when COVID hit, it was like this, you know, scramble and, uh, and kind of like boon that we had this like infrastructure set up. The teachers were amazing. Everybody was sort of like in, like kind of primed in this position to really um, step forward into this like new digital space. And then, you know, there's just so many unpredictable things that were happening and to try and keep up was very challenging. And because I am so, I, I, I wanted it to work. I, you know, I really opened myself and extended myself to everybody and we had a small team. So it would be every me answering a lot of the emails and things like that. And so in this transition, the grief was like really viscerally felt throughout the summer, the loss of identity still, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, huh, what was that? You know, you just have this, like, I just felt like I had this motor and this purpose and this vision and belief in like this world that we were trying to create. And then you're like, it kind of, it just goes away and you're just like, okay, well, what am I left with? And so right now, I'm intentionally taking the time off to 
just take a pause, you know, and the last two years have been, it's just so hard to keep up for every, I mean, it's just been so hard to keep up. And I remember we've talked about this where it's just like, it's one thing and then it's another thing. And then it's so public and social media takes such a big thing of like, how do you respond to hell on earth and still have a job and still be able to be compassionate and have your relationships and your private life. And that's, that's something that I'm right now, I'm just like pulling back in this sort of like veil of protection of just, just reflecting Mm -hmm. right now. Well, I'm, I really appreciate the way you talked about this process, right? The different layers to this transition and feelings about it and also allowing yourself to have time to process it as you're in it and you'll continue to process it and the loss of identity that you spoke about too and what's left like all the different things that people go through when change is happening and and there's grief connected to that and it really made me think about I was part of a collective well it was a nonprofit years ago it was called the Heirs Project and it was like a storytelling for activist project in North Carolina. And um, after about two or three years of my involvement with it, um, and I helped set it up as a nonprofit and do all this stuff, but I didn't start it. The idea didn't come from me. So it's different in this way. But when we decided that heirs needed to like close or, or stop the work that it, it had been doing. And I remember having a conversation about honoring like the ending of it. Um, honoring what it had been and the stories still live on actually, Mm. but also that we were ending, like what it means to, to end often. I think people end things and, and especially like this and they don't want to talk about it and they, they don't want to act like it happened, you know, like it was a thing. It's like, let's just act like that was not ever part of my life and let me move on. Like ghost it, like ghost your life. So it's making me think about the, just the way you spoke about it made me think about that time and like what it means to honor an ending versus like, yeah, sweep it aside or deny that it even existed. The thing you birthed existed. Yeah. And I think there's, there's room for many different types of feelings that one ebbs and flows through almost so painful where you have to turn your back to take care of yourself. And then hopefully you have the time to reflect of how, how do I want to honor this time? And I don't think we have a lot of modeling around endings. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking about this a lot and actually just doing a lot of research around companies and how they do dissolve and how do they end and how what happens and who gets notified and who doesn't and the complexity and the risk that I took as a business owner and like who needs to know that you know like who needs to know the financial risk and just really deciding how I wanted to end took me time and um it took time to really reflective, like, it's like a breakup or, or anything like that. And I remember tindering, you know, before I met my partner <laughs> and like the way that I wanted to end even like one date was with like 
intention and honoring of the time shared, you know, even if it was just coffee with honesty and like, this isn't a fit. And there was just a lot of people that were very appreciative because the urgency to ghost, like, if you don't investigate that, you're going to run. That's it. (laughs) And to just, you know, stay in it. And that's when the grief, you know, comes in because it is a loss and that is hard, but I've had some amazing models of how to end things. And I want to feel proud of of myself, but it's also hard to feel proud of yourself when it's a failure, you know, or like a failure. It's hard. You're just like, all right, we didn't do what we wanted, you know? And so that's where all the other things come in. And so not saying that, I mean, this is a real challenge. It is a challenge and it's a test. Right. You know, when we emailed about this, you said you wanted to talk about like what we're talking about and and then failure. I remember that being in the email and I have such an interesting orientation to failure because my mother didn't ever talk about us when we, when something didn't work out, she never talked about it as a failure. And so I have this like it didn't work out right the way you intended or it worked out in a different way or you didn't get what you I mean this is bigger I'm going to get to it but like you didn't get what you wanted right or you didn't get to see it come to fruition in this full way and I know some people the language of like failure really resonates and for me because of my mother it doesn't it's like look at what you created and you're grieving that it will no longer be what it was do you know what I mean and so I just wanted to offer that, you don't, you know, you can leave it or take it, but like, I wasn't super involved with core to core and we've had a few conversations and I watched what was going on. And I would say that core to core um, brought community together and in a way that I had not experienced in the wellness industry and made the practices much more accessible for those who had access to a phone or computer and could practice right. And the internet and could practice. And that Corticor also was committed to having a diverse group of teachers in all the ways and like making the space what the teachers wanted. And so I don't think that's a failure. I think that's revolutionary in a lot of ways. And I understand it's an ending. Yeah. Can I ask how your mom, when things didn't work out, how, how did she talk about it with you as a kid? Well, I don't know that she used the word resilience. She, it's likely she used a different word, but she was talking about resilience. And she was also talking about like, well, plan A didn't work out. Okay, let's go to plan B. And, you know, if we're on plan D, didn't work out, plan up. You know what I mean? She was like, she always said that. Like, we just have to have a different way or we need to do something different. What that did for me is it actually allowed me to try things and be like, well, I don't know what this is going to be like. I'm putting intention into it, but who knows? And that feels like a a gift that she gave me, continues to give me. And so I just, and I've been involved with quarter course. So I have this different perspective. And of course the ending of it is not so deep for me other than being in relationship with you um, and seeing what you created. Like it's real personal to you right? It was your vision. The vision didn't come from me. So I recognize like my perspective is, is different. My experience of this is different. Totally. I do think it's though very helpful 
to hear how other people experience what you put out in the world because it gives you the gift of distance. When something is so close, how can you see? You can't. And so you have to rely on resources of like people you trust and people that will talk to you honestly about like, listen, this is a thing that was in the world and now it's not. And that's fine. And it's almost like a blessing. So stuff that was very, uh, hit me really hard um, throughout my whole life. Like every, everything just hit really hard. My mom was going into for gallbladder surgery and um, not a super serious procedure, but really like I was very unhinged. And my uncle was um, there and we walked out and he like just looped his arm in mine. He goes, well, let's get some breakfast. And I was like, so shocked that that was his experience of like dropping her off. She's going under, let's get some breakfast. And it really helped me to like, okay, like, you know, orient towards what's happening right now. She's going to be okay. And let's go. And I think that that kind of relationship of just like, Hey, this happened, let's go, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 And what you're naming about grief, because I, what you just described is, I think, what my the way my mother was operating either out of necessity because she's like, I gotta figure out another way. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> yep. I need to. Yep. Or maybe that's something she learned or witnessed from her mother. I don't know. I'll have to ask her. It's making me think about the acknowledging what's what's going on and that life is moving at the same time and making space to grieve too as life is moving and as you're attending to what's happening, right? And the way you talked about reorientation, though, orient to what's going on right now, it's not a forgetting of, of this, you know, the ending of this, right? It's just a recognition that things are, they continue to move on, right? And honor what you need, honor this ending and honor what you need in it, given that this vision came from you. Yeah, and I think the the orienting does come from a nervous system perspective of like the animal body, Mm -hmm. like orienting into like the now space. And that's like a visual thing that's sensing with all of the five senses. And this is something that I'm learning from my colleague, Galena Denzel, who does a lot of work on nervous system reorientation. And it is a practice and you need, I mean, you need time to do it. It's the other thing is like, it is very difficult when you are on a hamster wheel. It's impossible, you know, and my partner is on a hamster wheel and I was on a hamster wheel and you don't know anything different because you just keep going. And so I feel that like, it's just, sometimes it's not possible to do the grieving, but right now it is possible to, for me. And now, because it feels like it's sort of complete then the sort of the skies open and you're like, well, what, what's going to happen now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was thinking that as you were speaking, like there's space to then be with what's, what's next, right? There's the spark that can happen in that space of allowing yourself to grieve. And then there's space after that, all the grief is ongoing, but after that, and there's possibility because you're not holding on so tightly to what you created, right? You're letting go. Right. Right. Um, and in the letting go and attending to the different emotions that arise as we let go. And then, okay, what is, what do I want? What do I hope for? What is next? 
Yeah. And it's just interesting because I did so much improvisational dance up until, you know, three or four years ago. And so many of those practices are still sort of alive in how to like be a human being in the world of like here and now, like what is happening right now? What's happening right now? And like right now I'm really enjoying taking walks, (laughs) you know, and like getting enough sleep finally and writing poetry. writing poetry which I haven't done since I was like you know in grade school and I was like it just started coming out one night you know I just started just like okay that's what's happening right now yeah I mean this makes me think about what you said earlier of you know that in listening to you talk about taking walks and writing poetry and to me these aren't things that you had space for while you were like so immersed in core to core and it's making me think about what comes through when we, when we have that space, like yeah. what is possible when we have this space and we're not on the hamster yeah. wheel or so immersed in the, which it takes yeah. a lot of energy to birth something. So that's just part of the process that will go through. God, yeah. But now you're like, yeah. I'm doing this and I'm doing, there's more room to explore. Yeah. Because of Galena's, I'm taking this class with her and it's a group class on understanding how your nervous system works. And, you know, I've, I've recognized everybody has a certain level of like fight, flight, freeze. And you might just be always in that because of this world. And what does it take to not be in that is time and a lot of other practices, but like, really, like when we talk about the nervous system stuff, it, we always say it's unwinding. And that's kind of how it feels is like this unwinding. And then there's more receptivity to what's happening right now. And I'm very skeptical about a lot of things. And I'm also skeptical about like who I seek guidance from or wisdom or perspective. What I've always loved about how you talk is like, there's just so much nuance and there's so much balancing because it does take a lot of effort to birth something. There isn't a lot of time for rest. And when like somebody is telling you like, oh, just try and find some balance. (laughs) It's like, dang, you're in labor. Like you gotta go, you gotta go. And so there's no shame in, in that thrust of energy as much as there's no shame in recognizing that it's like time to recuperate. You know, what struck me as I was listening to you, just listening to you is the time we're in. Like, I need to find a different way to talk about time because I think time is, <laughs> so, I've been talking about it a lot today and I think it's just like not real, but it, we're oriented to it and we're like working with it. And, and we've been in, in crisis, I would say in a different way over the last almost two years, although there were many crises, right, happening, they just weren't being paid attention to prior to that and they intensified during the pandemic but what's your what's your naming about the nervous system and the unraveling and the like reorientation and then being with what is is I was like oh that's what we that's what people need to learn how to do right or that's what people may have been trying to learn how to do this whole time that we've been in a pandemic right like and in a different way I think because none of us had experienced this kind of Thing and isolation and 
having to communicate in different ways. And I know for core to core, like onboarding all of these teachers because they weren't teaching in studios, right? Like it was just a different way, but there was, there's so much medicine in what you said about the, the nervous system and balance and unraveling, like allowing that, that to happen, but there has to be some prep work to get there. I believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I believe uh, one of the reasons why is people are like, so what, what entrepreneurial thing are you going to cook up next? And I'm like, listen, people, this was not a entrepreneurial thing for me. This was like a real vision of belief of what the possibilities of what being in space virtually can do for people. And like, as you know, as a therapist, having somebody listen to you and that sense of belonging and that sense of trust that comes only then when we're in relationship and we're modeling this, can we start to unwind? And, and maybe it's because I'm like, not um, a Buddhist nun yet. Maybe I will be. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, I can't do that on my own, you know? And so the work of just being in relationship to other people that inspires you and teaches you how to do these practices, I think are essential. And that's what I loved about this vision. That's why I kind of stuck through it with all the onboarding and like the technology was just only meant for 15 teachers mm-hmm. and the team was only meant for 15 teachers. And it was like, fuck. Our yeah. operations were just like, you know, not there yet, but we had, we all just like pulled it together in this weird way. And I will never forget like your book clubs and seeing 150 people. I will never forget that. And I'll never forget like the December class where 60 people, I will never forget those moments where it was like, this is such a hard time to live through. And you have these people that are literally doing the same thing as you all over. I mean, it's like Mm -hmm. still to me is, is unbelievable. Yeah. That connection and that, and I'm glad you, you're allowing yourself to remember those things, right? Like a year from now, that maybe what you want to remember. Yeah. You know, and come back to it's, it's what you've built. You know, I have bees and, um, last, (laughs) who who doesn't there's celebrities at this point. I know I'm like, write about them. I'm talking about them. I love the fucking bees, the bees, but the last winter I lost a hive. And I remember, um, calling somebody from the beekeepers association to talk to her about it. I didn't know what happened to the hive and I have one other hive that is, is still alive. That's here. And I, I got a new hive. Um, but, um, what she said to me, I'll never forget it. She said, but you kept the other hive alive. Like, look at what you did. And Ajit, she kept saying it to me. I'd be like, but I don't know what happened to the hive. I'm like really devastated. The second, like I was on this, you know, in this space because I was grieving and also feel responsible for these beings. And I'm kind of like, I don't have any idea what happened. Like they go in for winter and you pray and hope that they make it out into the spring. You know, it's like just so metaphorical for so many things. So, right. but she kept saying it. I was like, she's, I don't know if she knows what she's doing right now, but she's saying the thing I need to hear, bring your attention to what you, you did, what you kept alive, what you, and so I'm thinking about the memories that you just named. And I know there are more like, that's why I said, I think it'll be important to remember what you built. Um, yeah. 
and it is important for us as we birth things of just people to remember what we we've birthed, what we've built, what we've sustained, how it's changed, how it's evolved. Because I'm also thinking about connection and what you named about the virtual world and the power of connection in that way and your vision for that, and that we could be doing the same thing all over the world, right? And I'm thinking about the not only the students who would show up or communities that would show up for different offerings to Core to Core, I'm also thinking about the connections of teachers and like people that I now know that I didn't know before or so I also am just saying look at that too right yeah yeah I was thinking about that too actually earlier today there wasn't a teacher like network you know before this there was not and that transcended like for some reason the wellness industry is like very weird where like yoga and pilates there's no cross Mm-hmm. <laughs> strange like hit there's no cross to talk about all of these things maybe there just isn't culturally anyway right like there's just no cross talk between difference in this way where it's like where we can have these conversations and so like to me there's just like this playful attitude of like what happens when all these people come together and we like as teachers, I don't know if this is true for you, but like our egos get involved of like, I'm like a really good Pilates teacher and like I'm teaching the right shit. And then you're actually have to face to face, like talk to a yoga person about all this stuff. And I would kind of <laughs> provoke it a little bit where I was just like, you know, sometimes restorative exercise, like Katie Bowman lineage people refute like so many movement modalities because of like modern science. And they're like, oh, I I wouldn't call what I do Pilates. And for me, it's like, well, are you helping your students? And do your students think it's Pilates? And so, but if they're getting help, who gives a shit what it's called, you know? Anyway, that's all to say is like, I really think this virtual stuff encourages us. You don't know who's going to show up for your class, right? Right. No idea. You really don't, unless you do some digging, but like, learning how to be in space with people to me is like the opportunity of a lifetime to figure that out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and for teachers to figure that out. And I just really appreciated how there was just so many different teachers that taught so many different things, but we had this kind of unified goal of like collectively bringing the, the platform up. And that was really cool. Yeah, and how that connects, like you said, to just difference and and working across difference and connecting across difference. Yeah, as well. in real time too, mm-hmm. and that's the goal. Is like not an email, you know, not not through social media. It's like how do we respond to each other in real time together? And that's what I, you know, we had this thing about recordings, right? So like when everybody went on to Zoom the whole thing was like, catch the recording. And for me, I'm just like, the point is to show up here. The recording is an added bonus, right? But if people know that they can get the recording later, they're not going to show up. And so I said, okay, we'll do the recordings, but they're going to be limited time, only 48 hours, because the work is showing is facing ourselves when we want to grow or we want to develop a practice. And that's the reason why so many people struggle with the practice is like we struggle with continuing how do you continue and cultivate a a habit or a relationship 
when it's like after like the sexy third class, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. anyway, that's what I've been thinking about lately. (laughs) Well, that makes me think about the organizing or movement work, like social change work, which I think this, what you're talking about is social change in in actually a lot of different ways, but like the showing up, right. And what it takes to show up and then continue to show up is what I'm thinking about and what you said. And when it's awkward because we were teaching on a computer and like, we didn't know who'd show up and some people are on camera and some people aren't. And how do you build community in that way? And if you're practicing with them, because it's awkward to be sitting at the computer staring, like you don't really, it's such a different way of being in space with people and moving people. And we need to be innovative in, in how we do that. Um, and as you said, in real time, like people were figuring that out, um, which I think many people who've been on Zoom and working in this different way are just like tried to figure it out. But there was real, int- because your vision had to do with the virtual world, it's different, right? You, you thought about it a little bit more and set up the conditions for people to be in this spaces to be like, what do we do now? Then the, like the pandemic happened, right? So it's like, really, what do we do, right? And I think it's so related to change, like how we transform um, ourselves and what is happening in the collective. We show up, right? We show up over and over. Yep. Yep. And I'm interested in endurance. Like I'm, I'm in, I've always been interested in endurance from like a dancing perspective of like, how long can we keep this thing going? Mm -hmm. You know, and what happens when things start to break down and what happens when something else starts to come up and the dance piece, whatever. And what I think is most fascinating in this time is how many people who rejected virtual training because it wasn't pure or authentic or close up. You couldn't touch them. It was less intimate, all these kinds of things. And when it was no longer an option, they had to realize the value of it. And they had to realize the power of being adaptive and building your business online. Things that, you know, I know that you were working on a long, long before this is like having things over Zoom is this unbelievable, I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword, of course, but like unbelievable gift to be able to make an income and do things that you love and not have to travel and burn yourself out in that way. I think about this a lot relative to technology. And I think we have reason to pause and make sure we're building considerate technology hundred percent. It's just like, we are so resistant to change, so resistant to change, right? I also think what I, I like the hypocrisy of it too, where it's like, people are like, well, I'm a yoga practitioner. And I just don't think like going on zoom is the purest thing. And it's like, okay, well, the practice is about adapting, you know, and like moving through and seeing what's happened, like seeing the innovation. And I think like, I know we've talked about this kind of this level of innovation and creativity and all those kinds of stuff. I think like marrying that with like making sure that it's for the good of the whole but also it just embrace embracing that you know embracing that um, ability to grow and shift in terms of like what the culture is doing mm-hmm. you know in listening to you I know you're an Aquarius and you sound so Aquarian like I'm like this is Aquarian. I know we always talk about this shit I know it's so well I it's awesome. I mean, I'm a Leo. We're opposite in the Zodiac, which doesn't actually mean, it just means um, well, opposite sides of the same coin, and, actually. 
because you know that Derek is a Leo and so like and my and I know your partner is an Aquarius (laughs) yeah we know so I I was just listening I was like oh yeah the Aquarian is always like a head you know and like hey y'all can you see this you know in the Mediterranean like here's where we're going but also has the experience of because you were saying resistant to change Aquarians can have this experience of like being rejected because people are not ready or they don't think yeah. they're ready or what, or what they haven't been prepared, whatever it might be. There's this like, yeah. Isolation that can happen. Um, totally because of what the way you all vision. And I think about yeah. that, that a lot. So I was just listening. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like what I love about humanity is like, we are so complex and yet like we don't, know how very similar we are and so like when people are talking like when older folks are talking about younger generations and being like now this is the generation that's gonna really mess things up this is it and it's like gen z could be honestly the the generation that actually saves all of us because of how socially conscious they are and how aware and how much they're so aware of the suffering but if you're listening to boomers it's like well they're on their devices they can't socialize regularly what is this gonna mean for restaurants we can't communicate in the same way and it you know i i find that too where i you know it is the right it's the loss it's the grief of how you've known and it's really just power shifting that's what i think about is like how do you relinquish your your cultural capital your everything into this next generation where like gen z is like ready like they are ready to like have a global economy like they are like moving towards that and I just I want you know the socialized all of that stuff is real for me of just people are like what I'm gonna go eat this pizza you can go like research this shit whatever but the goal for me is just like so we can have more tolerance of change more tolerance of each other more patience honoring the boomers of just like sorry boomers such a pejorative um yeah it's so weird but honoring the the elders elders because they're aging like they are (laughs) yeah the elders yep the elders honoring that and shepherding like I feel like that's our duty and like I think about my mom um and I'm helping her uh launch her like online digital business and she's 70 and it's just like that's what Mm -hmm. they actually want Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. They want handholding of like, if you've seen somebody navigate a computer that's um, 70, it's, 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 it's a huge shift. It's a huge shift for their frame of mind and how to orient towards, towards the computer and like, you know, let's help, let's help them out. <laughs> well, yeah, my mom is 77 and I just got, um, long ago, she had a computer, but she wasn't on it very much. Um, and I just got her a laptop and she's got the router hooked up and I'm going back to see her soon. And I'm going to teach her. I like set up an email and did stuff, but I'm going to teach her all of that and what you're making. And yes, I can't imagine being 77 and like doing this, right? Like how do we have to show her how to get time. on Zoom so we can actually talk? Like I have to be like, click this link every time Yes, at this time, right? Like that's all you have to do. Yes, Internet's connected and you click the link and then I can direct yes. you once you're there. So what you're, what you named though, is making me think about 
each generation's responsibility yeah. for like every one. Do you know what yes. I mean? Like, um, yes, I do. And what you, yeah, what you named, like we can, we can wait on the, the next generation to, to save us or we can like try to save ourselves now. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think it's great that we both, I was like, boomers, that's a shitty way to describe it. They're elders. And when you switch the naming of something, it changes your relationship to it. We all have the ability to make fun of each other, right? Like I, I just did it and like, you can have a playfulness and then you're just like, okay, what's our responsibility to them? And, um, you know, that situation with your mom and the laptop, like I've been on zoom, not even on zoom calls. It's like our, one of our students can't get on and she's 86 and she doesn't understand that you can scroll up and down. So she couldn't see the launch button. And so where are those spaces? Like, where are right. those spaces that, that are going to do that? You know, where we'll help, we're helping each other out in that, that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're at time. We've talked about all the I think things. We're at- We've gone the windy road of what it is to be. Of an Aquarian. Of an Aquarian, <laughs> but to be and a Leo together. We've gone the And a Leo together. The, I know. Uh, my partner and I have long, windy conversations. It's just like, where we're talking about all the things. So, and I'm an Aquarian, uh, Aquarius moon. So. I know. I, I know. Some of that. Makes, well, uh, the, the other part, I know we're out of time. Just one thing is like. I remember talking to you and and like, I don't have a good history with Leos. And I remember Derek, when I first met him, I was like, please don't be a Leo. And he's like, I'm a Leo. And really like this ability to have a meandering conversation that doesn't have like a fixed ending. I cherish it. I I like cherish it because it's just like, you can just get so deep. And then there's like, you know, Virgos that are like, do you have a point to what you're saying? I know, but you all also talk in metaphors all the time and I, I can like translate a little bit. So I'm like, oh, yeah. it's like that. It's connected to that, right? right? Um, so I appreciate it because you're talking right. about something bigger that you see that sometimes we can't, those of us who are not Aquarius. So of course you're speaking from this space, but I, I like it. I think it's good. And and I want to thank you for um, creating, birthing, core to core, visioning, listening. It didn't happen in that order, but all of those things happened, right? And yeah. being open and creative in this way and really honoring the transition of this, um, the end yeah. of this. And of course, the beginning of something else, whatever that might be. So thank you so yeah. much. Well, thank you for, thank you for you as well. Really, it's just everybody who was a part of it really shaped shaped it in this unbelievable way. And we'll see what happens next. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. Moment to moment. So (laughs) thank you, Madison. Thanks, Michelle. I hope you enjoyed the episode. So... As you all may know, I have a new book out, Finding Refuge, Heart Work for Healing Collective Grief, published by Shambhala Publications. It was published on July 13th, 2021, and can be found anywhere where books are sold. Along with the book, you can join me for some offerings focused on finding refuge and focused on collective grief 
ritual and processing trauma, allowing it to move through so that we can get free. We'll explore the connection between grief and liberation. You can support the podcast Finding Refuge by telling your friends about it and rating it on iTunes. You can support my work in the world by becoming a patron on Patreon. You can find me there as Michelle C. Johnson, Skill in Action. I offer monthly Dharma talks, rituals, meditations, or movement practices. I hope you join me there. Take care. Be well, friends. Thank you.